This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Here we go. We are in part three of Ephesians, study on the book of Ephesians, and we're going to dive into chapter two today. So uh, get your Bibles out, all right? Get your pens, get ready to take some good notes. Um, I'm excited to uh, be teaching you this morning, and we're going to jump right in and maybe touch on a little bit of chapter three. We'll try to get over there if we can, Uh, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you speak to us, you change us, you transform us, and you do a divine work in our soul. We thank you for the engrafted word that is able to save our soul. We thank you, Lord, that your word is a two-edged sword, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and intents of the heart. We thank you, Lord, that all of creation is laid bare before you to whom we must give an account. So we thank you for your word. It's going to do that type of deep work in us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. All right, let's do this, folks. So here we go. Um, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, and there's a theme here, okay, in this chapter. And it's two things. It's God's grace, and it's a multi-ethnic family in Jesus, or a unified family, or the revealing of the mystery of God's unified family, okay? So all of that is in Ephesians 2, all right? And so um, uh, we're gonna jump right in. So Ephesians um, chapter two, starting in verse one, and uh, here we go. Let's read here, Ephesians chapter two, uh, verse one to verse three. And it reads, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse two, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, speaking of demonic spirit, um, who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse three, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And so here we're jumping right in. This is all about grace here. This first part of chapter two is all about the grace of God. And the next section we're gonna read is really helps to define what salvation is uh, by grace through faith. I mean, it, it says it all right here. But I want to highlight something here when it comes to grace. And this is also another theme of Ephesians, the book, and that is that of power, okay? And so right here in speaking of God's grace toward humanity, um, in verse one again, let me read verse one and two again. Um, and, And he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Verse two, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according 
to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So right here in, in, in the language here, it's associating salvation, what God has done by his grace as being equivalent to this, this spiritual power, okay? Because it's speaking of us being dead in trespasses and sins prior to him, Christ. It speaks of us walking according to the course of this world. It speaks of us according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, speaking of demonic influence in our lives and that this particular spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience. I mean, this is speaking of spiritual bondage and demonic influence and thank God for his grace, okay? So here, just to give you a little history here and kind of Paul's perspective as a, um, as a, as a trained Pharisee, as, an, as a highly educated person that, um, you know, that, I mean, he, he was very cultured and aware uh, of his world, being a Roman citizen and yet a Pharisee um, and extremely educated. So I'm just going to read some stuff from my notes that, that even in Paul's writing this letter, he, he, he is, he's kind of, God's using him to reveal this revelation of Christ, this mystery and this authority we have, this power that has we've been given, that we've been delivered from the spirit of the air that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. And so, but in ancient Israel, and this is this is just from my notes, it, it was commonly believed that Satan ruled the whole world except Israel. Okay. And so 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 Paul in writing this is speaking of the, the fulfillment of this true revelation of victory over demonic powers. Um, as a Jewish man, knowing that this is his context, this is what they believed, okay? So it was also commonly believed that evil spirits dominated um, the lowest realm of the heavens, hence the term air here, okay? The spirit of the air. So um, in Jewish um, culture and tradition, um, you know, they, they, they believed, and even some of the, the pagans had some sort of... Um, like kind of derivative of this, of believing in three realms, three heavenly realms. And so Paul alludes to this in the scripture when he says that a man was caught up to the third heaven. Okay, that means there's a first and a second. And so, um, but here is speaking of that the prince of the power of the air, the spirit. So this prince, this spirit, demonic entity, is the power of the air, air there. And, and that is speaking of, and in, in, in his own tradition, in his own religious um, education and teaching, um, believed that evil spirits dominated this realm. Hence, the Bible says that the devil is the god of this world. Okay? Um, and here, it's saying power of the air, and this is equated to the language they would use at the time, was that it's the the atmospheric realm or the um, um, atmospheric heavens or the first heaven, this realm of space we are in right now is the air, quote unquote. And so saying that the spirit is at work in the sons of disobedience because of Adam's sin, um, you know, the, 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 the devil has influence in the realm of disobedience, okay? And so um, in this, though, Paul 
is kind of setting them up to say, hey man, we were, we were, we were under this before Christ. We were subject to this. We, this spirit, the sin nature was influencing us. Not, and, and he's not equating that everything, every ill in society is this overt demonic entity doing it, but he is saying that when we were outside of Christ, we were influenced by demonic spirits in some way or another. That's what he's saying. That's what, the, that's, what this, that's what this is saying. Speaking of grace, we were in that, but he made us alive. We were dead. Why? Wages of sin is death. Dead and trespasses and sins. I'm telling you, um, spiritual death, trespasses, sins, iniquity, demons, spirit of the air, disobedience, all that is in the same realm. And it's speaking of the spirit of the air, the atmospheric realm or the atmospheric heavens, the first heaven, okay? So, and what he's saying here, and we're gonna continue here, is that point blank, one, and he's talking to Jews and Greeks, okay? Jews and Gentiles. And he's basically saying, as we continue, we'll read this, one is not delivered from sin and demonic spirits by Israel, Israelite ancestry, okay? It's not natural birth that alienates us or, or, or frees us from that. Although the Jewish people believed if you are of Israel, then this spirit, these spirits don't have authority over you. But Paul is saying, hey, hold up guys, you got a, you got a half truth there and that it is Jesus who makes us alive. It is Jesus that delivers us and liberates us from the spirit of the air. It is Jesus that liberates us and delivers us from our trespasses and sins and our disobedience and every type of demonic influence. Once again, as I said in, in, in our first session, right, like that our first sermon this month is that there's a theme in Ephesians of power. Why? Because when you speak of the church, when you speak of grace, when you speak of God's family, that, that, that in that you will always find power and authority in Christ. It's it comes with it. And you're going to see that in speaking of grace, there is a, 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 an association with spiritual power and authority. Okay? Hallelujah. All right? And so let's go to verse 4 now. Verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 4, and I'm going to read all the way to verse 10. Starting in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. But God, okay, but God, there it is. Um, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We once walked according to the course of the world. You know, the Bible says, you know, that, that, it's, it, that, that this world, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, man, it's in the system, the cosmos, the air, the, the, the atmospheric heavens of this world is where demonic entities run rampant, okay? Come on now, all right? The Bible says he's looking for ones, seeking whom he may devour, all right? But God, verse four, but God, somebody say that when we say, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, verse five, even when we were dead in trespasses. Here it is, he's reiterating the first couple verses here made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together 
sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Somebody say grace. And his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for by grace, somebody say grace. You have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so here it is. I know we kind of extract um, verse eight and nine. And we share that verse a lot all by itself. We say, man, it's for by grace you've been saved. Um, you know, um, yeah, it is for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God lest anyone should boast. And we kind of use that verse and we share that a lot. And like, you can share your testimony and then you share that verse. Or you, you're at some outreach and, you know, guaranteed an evangelist is going to share that, right? Because the truth of that is so powerful. But in context, it is speaking, yes, of salvation, of course, in Christ, it's by grace. But in context, it's speaking of being saved from the demonic spirits in this world. In context, it's speaking of where we are seated in heavenly places, in the third heaven, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And so salvation by grace in that revelation of what that is, it, it is speaking of spiritual power in Christ. It is speaking of spiritual authority. So. Here is really my, 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 my point here from, from these two portions of scripture, this first half of Ephesians 2, is that you're enthroned over evil powers. That is salvation. Salvation just isn't, oh, my bad deeds and my sins of my past are washed away. Yes and amen. But you are saved? What does that mean? What, what is that? I am positioned in Christ in heavenly places, meaning that demonic powers, demonic influence, demonic lies, devils, demons, spirits, the spirit of the air, the spirit of this age has no hold on me because of Christ. The devil and every demon is under my feet. I am positioned in a higher realm. Somebody say amen. All right, so once again, you're enthroned over evil powers all day every day come on somebody i said all day every day eternally eternal redemption as the book of hebrews chapter 9 says eternal inheritance as the book of hebrews chapter 9 says we are positioned in christ it is a seat of authority that i do not have to allow the devil to just push me around lie to me deceive me pull me into sin Pull me into my, into whatever, darkness, perversion, lust, lying, wickedness, whatever it is, uh, division, divorce, um, pornography, um, hatred, uh, rage, come on now, witchcraft, adultery, fornication, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride, come on somebody, right? Any kind of sexual sin, anything, any adultery, fornication, homosexuality, having sex with the same sex, that, that act is a sin against God. Having sex outside of marriage with anybody, 
hetero or homosexual, that is a sin in the eyes of all of that is a lie of the devil to pull people into sin. Come on, somebody. Jesus, when we were dead and all that stuff, pulled us out, okay? Whatever kind of sin it is, gossip, slander. There is no grade of degree of sin here. Like, you know, so I think we get, religion will cause us to think, oh yeah, that's a really bad sin, but, but this one over here, you know, it's not as bad. I, I can understand how certain sins can play out in, in, in a real way with, with, with more devastation. In, in our in what we see and experience, but but we but we got to be careful that we don't place certain degrees on sin because when we do that, we what we what we're doing is we're justifying it. We're saying it's okay, and no sin is something Jesus died to deliver humanity from. The wages of sin is death. This is it. It doesn't matter what the sin is; it will lead to deaths in one way or another. It will lead to death. It will take us down the wrong road now and in eternity. Come on, somebody, right? You know, the, the hell was prepared for the devil and his angels and salvation by grace through faith positions us into a place in Christ of victory and triumph and a conquering, victorious, triumphant place in Jesus over sin and every demon. Somebody say amen. Okay, we're enthroned over evil powers. And then it kind of goes on in verse 10 to talk about good works, that we're creating Christ for good works. But here it is. Good works are a secondary consequence of grace. Good works, your good works don't get you grace. Your, your good works don't get you extra points, right? It, it's, that's backwards. God does something in us and good works come out of that. Yes, are we accountable for living this life? and doing good works, whether that's moral works or actual justice works um, for others. Uh, yes, those are all good works. The fruit of the spirit, the manifestation of the fruit is a good work. It's living right is a good work. Uh, keeping your, if you're married, your marriage bed undefiled, that you don't bring any other person into that covenant. That is a good work. That is that is your salvation being actualized in real life and doing justice for the marginalized and feeding the poor and serving people in a practical way where there are actual needs. That is good works. All of that. But theologically speaking, as a believer, those are the results of grace that it is in the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen. So here it is. Here's my next point. It's Christian equals equals spiritual authority. That's that 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 it's in there. That's Christ in me. It speaks of divine authority. That's not me, it's him in me. It's him and me and not me and him. And 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 we have authority to cast out devils. We have authority to cast out devils. We have authority to pray with authority in the name of Jesus. We have authority to, to, that we submit to God. We resist the devil, he must flee. We have been given authority, Christian, scripturally, theologically, sound doctrine. And when it comes to being a Christian, a Christ follower, Christ-like, 
right? It, it, is, it is equated to our position in Christ, according to Ephesians chapter two here, that we are seated in the heavenly realms with him. Hallelujah. Somebody say, bless the Lord. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter two, verse 11. I'm gonna read all the way to verse 13 quickly here. Therefore, remember that you, here it is. He's like, remember this now. Once Gentiles in the flesh, now he's speaking to, to the Greeks, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, verse 12, that all that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, all right, we had, no, we had no inheritance and no right to that because we were not Jews. We're not born in that lineage. We had no right or access to it. It says, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, here we go. But now in Christ, spiritual authority, we've been given access to God's covenant. The, the covenant that the Father has made with the Son and the Son with the Father, we now in Christ are, 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 are beneficiaries of that covenant. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. According to ancient Jewish beliefs, you know, non-Jews could never participate in the fullness of, of covenant without circumcision. So even in the Old Testament, they would allow, you know, uh, others to come in, but they would have to be circumcised. And to be circumcised meant that, you know, that they were grafted into the community. Okay, they had to, they had to go through this religious rite, okay? And, and some even had to literally be, they, it was, they had their own form of baptism. They would have to be submerged in water. And when we come to Christ, we are now baptized. And baptism is not a Christian thing initially. It came from, uh, Jewish people are very familiar with what that was. That was, you know, a representation of, you know, being washed as you come into this Jewish community. And so that's why Paul, speaking along these terms to the Gentiles, it says, man, y'all were Gentiles according to the flesh, you who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision. The circumcision was the one, it was a sign of covenant. It was a representation of covenant the shedding of blood, okay? So it was like blood had to be shed for you to get in, okay? But verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, his blood was shed. If, if, if for lack of a better term, on that cross, his blood was shed. He was circumcised for us. We don't need to be circumcised, right? He, he, his blood was shed. The, 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 the life is in the blood. Pure blood was shed and that has uh, appeased the wrath of the Father. We are in. Come on now, through faith in Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay, praise the Lord. We're in because of the blood. We have access. We got, and he's speaking of um, all that it means to be a Christian, like all that God has. It's in the covenant. It's in the covenant. We come in by the blood. We, we, we don't come in by works. We don't come in by where we're born, who we're born with, whatever. We, we, we enter by the blood. Covenant is sealed in the blood. It is shed. It, it appeases the wrath of the Father. The price has been paid. We have now been given access by the blood of Jesus. 
All right. Hallelujah. Now he's getting into this cultural tension of Jew and Gentile. He's getting into the tension here. But let's go to verse 14. And I'm going to read to verse 18. Ephesians 2, 14 to 18. For he himself is our peace who has made both one. He's made peace and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He's broken down the middle wall of separation. Okay. And now this is, a, I'm going to stop there. Okay. I'll come to verse 15 in a second, but I'm just going to just talk about this here. Okay. Now the, 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 he broke down the middle wall of separation. So, so in the old temple, okay. In the temple, the Jewish temple, there was this veil and the only, um, the, there was a veil in there. And what that did, this is like in the Jewish law, okay, that it separated um, only the priests and laity, even the Jewish people could not go beyond that veil. Uh, laity meaning like the congregation, right? Like only the priests could go beyond that veil. So there was no distinction other than that. But through religious tradition that wasn't even the law, um, and it got and up to Paul's day here, that um, architects constructed a, another veil. And this was outside the law. It was just their own doing, okay? And so, um, you know, the, the Jewish leaders added barriers for non-Jews and women. So this was something he and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So when he's saying this, the Jews know what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. That the things, hey, Jewish guys, you know, you got some Gentiles up in that church in Ephesus, right? Y'all need to get along. And by the way, Jewish folks, that middle wall of separation, Christ has torn it down. They now have access. They now have access. Okay, here's another point too. I'm kind of messing up my notes here, but this is all right. I just, I just want to roll with this. Okay, um, I, I'm kind of going all over the place. But, uh, you know, once again, uh, verse 14, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So um, Paul wrote this from prison, okay? He wrote this from prison and he was in prison. This is why he was in prison because he was falsely accused for taking uh, a non-Jew or non-Jews inside the temple in Jerusalem. He was accused of that and arrested. Now, this was a Jewish law. They constructed this barrier. God didn't tell him to because it, it was after the law was etched in stone, okay? So this is just religious tradition. It's not even the law, okay? And Paul's like, man, that thing's torn down. We've got to tear that down. It's got to come down. And so he's writing this, like, that got to come down. I'm in prison because I've been accused of bringing Gentiles into the temple. Okay, and Paul has a revelation of Christ. This is a multi-ethnic family. The, the middle wall has been set, torn down. The, the thing that separated us has been torn down. And here's my next point. Christ is the answer to the cultural tension of our day. Christ is the answer to the cultural tension. Christ is the answer. There will be tension when you got mixed folks all up in the mix, but Jesus is the answer to that tension, okay? And so let's look at this. Let's look at this in Acts. I'm gonna go back to Ephesians, but let's look in Acts chapter 21, all right? Verses 27 to 29. This is where it happened. This is where, the, where, the, where, where our good friend Paul got busted 
and accused for bringing, and, and, and this, sorry, before I read this, um, the Romans honored this law to the point to where they even allowed the Jewish community to execute people, kill them for breaking this law, okay? But here it is, verse 27. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches us to teach us all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place, speaking of the temple. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. Verse 29, for they had previously seen Tro Trophimus, the Ephesian. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? Paul, the ex-Pharisee is hanging out with Gentile Ephesians. Greeks from Ephesus. It says he brought Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. Wow. So here it is. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has also made both one. Y'all hating on me because of Trophimus? Trophimus is my homeboy, right? Trophimus. Me and Trophimus is homies, right? We're, we're boys, all right? And Jesus, y'all hating on Trophimus, right? But that's my boy. Y'all falsely accused me of bringing him in the temple, but he's, you know, but he's saying, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Listen to this. That is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man, one new nation, one, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, one new man from the two, thus making peace. Jesus is the answer to the cultural tension. Verse 16 and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Hallelujah, that he might reconcile them both. Reconcile them both, both who? Jew and Gentile. Jew and the rest of humanity. To God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death, putting to death the enmity. Putting Jesus died for racial reconciliation. Jesus died to reconcile all of humanity to him and all of humanity to one another in Christ. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, to those who were near. Verse 18, for through him we both, both have access by one spirit to the Father. For through him we both, Jew and Gentile, both have access by one spirit to the Father. Hallelujah. Come on now, somebody. Jesus is the answer to the cultural tension. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. 
Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Here it is. One new family. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, 22, in whom the whole building, the whole building, all of humanity being fitted together, Jew and Gentile fitted together, all nations fitted together, different neighborhoods fitted together, different ethnicities fitted together, different nationalities fitted together. Come on now. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together. Now he's speaking to Ephesus. Jews and Gentiles all up in the mix. There's a synagogue there, we know that. There's pagan worship there, we know that. And he's saying, being built together. All right? You also are being built together. He, in his letter, you'll see that he specifically addresses the Gentiles like he's talking to them. And then you'll see other points in this letter. He's specifically talking to the Jews. All right? And, and he's saying, you all also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Okay, so there was some, not just tension, but turmoil when it came to this, okay? Now, just think about the challenge here that's happening, this revelation that it is no longer that temple, guys. We are the temple. We collectively are the body of Christ. We, God's, God is not reserved to some brick and mortar anymore. This is now in human hearts. This is the whole story of the gospel and that we are built together. We are a spiritual house being built. We are fitly joined together. And so even at this time, which is very interesting in history, it tells us this, that during the writing of these letters and during this time, um, you know, Jews and, and, and Syrians uh, were massacring each other in the streets of Caesarea. And, 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 and Paul was in Caesarea um, not too long before being imprisoned, okay? In, in Acts chapter 23, he was there, okay? And so this wasn't, this isn't just some cute little letter just about, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, th there's so much revelation in here and we can apply it to our lives. I think what, what sometimes when we kind of look at the context, look at the um, situation surrounding it, you can kind of, now when you read it, you can kind of see the seriousness, the gravity of what he's saying and, and how he was literally um, confronting the religious culture of the day, the pagan culture of the day, society, what was the norm, how, how Jews and Gentiles treated each other. It was literally just a bloodbath in the streets of Caesarea, and it was it was it was a culture war, a religious war. And they're they're massacring each other. And Paul is here saying, "Hey, we're both one. We're both one, guys. 
Jesus has broken down the middle wall of separation. We are, we are, we are now fitted together and we're growing into a holy temple in the Lord. All right. And so I'm just going to go back and kind of read these points. And then I'm going to touch on a couple things um, from, from Ephesians chapter three, just quickly. So we kind of know where we're headed. Okay. Just for a few more minutes. Uh, I'm glad we were able to get through chapter two. But once again, just as a reminder, guys, chapter two, all right, is, is, is all about God's grace and, and a multi-ethnic family in Jesus. That, that's what chapter two is. All right. So uh, one of the, one of the first points we shared was, was you're enthroned over evil powers. Know this. In Christ, by the Spirit, because of the Word of God, that is where you're seated. That is where you're positioned. That is your identity in Christ. You are seated with Him in heavenly places, and you are enthroned in Christ over evil powers. All right, and once again, just to kind of go along with that, two more points here. Is Christian equals spiritual authority. Uh, we, let, let's not lose sight of that. Christian is not just, oh yeah, you know, I go to church and I read my Bible. Um, yes, we do that, but Christian, Christ follower, Christ-like, um, a lover of God, one that is in Christ, it is equated to spiritual authority, okay? And, and here's the last one here from, from, from chapter two, is, is Christ is the answer to cultural tension, okay? That's what this is. He's the answer to religious tension. He's the answer to societal upheaval. He's the answer to instability. He's the answer to confusion. He's the answer to division. He's the answer to race wars. He's the answer to political wars. Jesus is the answer, all right? So let's jump on over uh, to chapter three now. I just want to read the first part of chapter three and I'm gonna let y'all go today. Uh, but here we go. Uh, chapter three, this is about Paul's unique call to the Gentiles. So he just goes a little deeper in, 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 in speaking of his call to the Gentiles. And I'm gonna read Ephesians three, uh, verse one to seven. Here we go. Uh, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. If indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, verse three, how that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I've briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse five, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Verse six, that the Gentile should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Verse seven, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his mighty power or of his power. That was Ephesians chapter three, verses one to seven. So Paul goes into this unique calling to Gentiles. And I want to encourage you with this and just reading this first part of chapter three of Ephesians, that there is a unique call on your life. That call, just as Paul was called to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews, okay? That, 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 that it, was, it was specific. 
And, and, and I want you to know that the revelation you've received of Christ is for you, but it is not just for you. It does not end there. It's not just for you to go, wow, you know, I know Jesus, praise the Lord. No, like Paul, there is, there is this mystery revealed and there is a purpose in your calling. There is a uniqueness about who you are, your history, your journey, and there is somebody that you are called to. There is somebody you are called to impact. There's somebody you're called to minister to. You are on the earth to receive a revelation of Christ. And in that, you then are called to reveal that mystery to somebody else, okay? There is purpose in it all. There is divine purpose in what you have come to know of who Jesus is. Uh, Paul has received this mystery of the gospel that Christ came to save all of humanity, has broken down the middle wall of separation. And Paul's like, man, that is the mystery. Christ has been revealed to me. And now it has been given to me for you. He's speaking to the Gentiles now. And he's in, in Ephesians chapter three. This revelation of Christ has been given to me for you. He has made known to me this mystery. And in verse seven here of Ephesians three, it says, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me for the Gentile. You have been given revelation of who Jesus is. You have received revelation from the word of God. You have received revelation by the spirit of God. And you are called to share that with somebody out there. I encourage you, church, that what you have received from God, what you have freely received, freely give. Father, I just thank you, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that every revelation they receive, that they would share it. I pray, God, that they would make known the mysteries of the gospel as they have received Christ, as they have received the truth of the word. I pray that they would make that truth known to those in their world. I pray in the name of Jesus that as they have received the love of Jesus, that they would then give and share that love with somebody as they receive the mercy and grace and goodness of God in Christ, I pray that they would then share this love with somebody out there today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.